Pursue your purpose, speak your truth, deal with adult bullies, cope with failure, live beyond fear, establish values, set boundaries, move past trauma. These are all the themes in my Amazon bestseller, The Smart Girls Handbook. Tribers, get in close. For 15 years, I have been searching for a book that didn't exist. So I am thrilled to share that I decided to write it. The Smart Girls Handbook is available to buy now from wherever you get your books and also in Canada, the United States of America, New Zealand and Australia. Everything we do is a response to something you have asked for and girl have you been begging me for a book for years. Who is it for you? The reviews are outstanding, the press has been phenomenal and I am overwhelmed by the amazing support it has had already. This isn't my book but our book. I realised after my talks around the world women would be queuing for hours just to ask me one question. I didn't want them to just walk away but to have a tangible source to have forever and this is it. This is refreshing never before read content that will inspire, motivate, empower, inform and entertain you. It's full of my personal development tips that have got me living as my most authentic and highest self, literally glowing from within. My most vulnerable moments and hilarious stories that will resonate with you. The Smart Girls Handbook is a celebration of womanhood and the book missing from your library. So grab your copy today, tag me on Instagram at smartgirltribe and I will send you an exclusive gift just to say thank you. Dr. Carrie Jones is a functional women's health and hormone doctor who to her core believes in the importance of both men and women understanding their hormones in a simplified manner. As you know, I love bringing in experts to discuss women's health and that is what we get into today. Everything you want to know about hormones and periods, why you get weepy during that time of the month, what a hormone actually is, how to know if your hormones are unbalanced, the most important hormone, the impact the vaccine has had on your period, the relationship between hormones and intercourse, and of course, how to balance your hormones to have a healthy, normal period. Hi, Dr. Carrie. Thank you so much for coming on to the Smart Girl Tribe podcast today. Could you just start off by explaining how you got into hormones and why talking about hormones, especially as women, is so important? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, thank you so much for reaching out. I was so thrilled and I'm really excited to be here because hormones is by far my favorite topic in the whole world. I am a naturopathic physician and I'm board certified in naturopathic endocrinology and I have my master's in public health, all because I wanted to basically serve, educate, teach about, learn hormones. Hormones are especially as females, it's what drives us. We, we jokingly talk all the time, right? Oh, I feel so hormonal or my hormones are changing, or we say something about our PMS or our cramps or our mood or what have you. And these hormones are little chemical messengers. They're like little text messages that go back and forth and they come from the brain and they go to a gland, like an ovary or an adrenal or a thyroid. And then they release in turn, you know, more text messages, more hormones. But as we know, text messages can get screwed up. They can go to the wrong person. They can be too much. They can be too little. They can be a half a text message. They can be failure to send. And it's the same thing in our body. And so we get issues with like our thyroid hormone or our cortisol hormone or our estrogen hormone or progesterone hormone. And instead of being this nice, smooth saline text message, like you send it, it's immediate, it's received, it's read loud and clear it's not. And then that's when we say to ourselves, to our friends, to social media, I don't know what's wrong. I just feel hormonal. Mm -hmm. And so that's where 
I come in, I'm like, all right, let's talk about this. Let's talk about what this means and what we can do about it. Have you always had an interest in this industry and being in women's health? Yes. Since I was a little kid, I knew I wanted to be a doctor and I knew that I wanted to focus on, um, I thought OBGYN for a short period of time, I thought pediatrics. And then what I realized is that a lot of women get a minimum amount of sex education in school. Um, We learn how to make a baby or don't make a baby. We learn a little bit about our periods and that's it. And then we are released out into the wild and we don't understand what's happening with us. We don't understand about birth control in our twenties. We don't understand about our cramps are bad. We don't understand why we get headaches or migraines, why our skin is changing. We hit in our thirties. If women are looking to have babies, some women are looking not to have babies. Then we get into our forties and fifties. Now we're perimenopausal and menopausal. And it's almost like we need to go back to school like every 10 years of like, okay, this is what's going to happen in the next decade. And here's what you do about it. And so that's why I chose to focus more on just the general education of hormones because we got so little of it in school, yet we live it every day. So let's really dive in then. Could you explain for anyone who may not know what a hormone actually is and how many <laughs> we have? If there are maybe some hormones that are more important than others. Yes. So a hormone um, is basically, like I said earlier, it's a chemical messenger and it's literally that it's a messenger and they fit into receptors on our cells, like a lock and a a key in a lock. And so let's say you have to deal with stress, then your body will release the hormone known as cortisol or adrenaline, and it will fit in the receptor and the key will turn and the lock will be like, all right, let's handle the stress. Let's increase your blood pressure. Let's increase your heart rate. Let's get some blood flow in. Let's give you some glucose. And for example, when you are trying to um, prepare, let's say you're trying to get pregnant, then your hormones, estrogen and progesterone, again, they fit in the lock or they turn the key turns. And now you have the inside of your uterus that's ready. You know, like all these, these changes are happening ready just in case you choose to get pregnant Um, hopefully not have cramps, hopefully not have PMS, what have you. And so these messengers are literally going to these receptors and, and, and turning them on so that we can move forward with, um, whatever kind of biochemical equation is happening or whatever kind of physiologic equation is happening that day for us as females. And so when it comes to more important hormones, there are hormones that are critical to life. For example, you need cortisol you need uh, glucose and insulin. Um, You don't necessarily need estrogen, progesterone, or testosterone. They're not critical to life, believe it or not, Um, but they sure do make the world a better place. If if those who are maybe in menopause and don't have a lot of estrogen, progesterone, um, there are those who've had a hysterectomy and maybe in their thirties, they've had a hysterectomy and their estrogen and progesterone, testosterone have dropped quite low as a result. They're still alive, uh, but they don't always feel fantastic. They don't always feel like they're on their A game. So we have to look at hormones, one, sort of in a hierarchy, but then two, know that they're all best friends. They are chemical messengers, but they all play off of each other. Their glands support each other. The glands can work with each other. The glands affect each other. If one gland is putting out a lot of hormone, the other gland may shut down or get suppressed or Mm -hmm. change as a result. So it's this great, um, I want to say balance, but it's not balance in that it's even all the time. It's, it's balances in, it's this constant 
wonderful moving orchestra of things on, off, playing, not playing, but very coordinated. Mm -hmm. And that's where we need to get to. Introducing this topic then, the Smart Girl Tribe audience is predominantly made up of women in their 20s and 30s. So if you had, I don't know, maybe 25,000 20 and 30 year olds in front of you and you could maybe only give them three top things to do with hormones that you would like to share with them what would those three top bites be if you like yeah well the thing about hormones is that they're very easily influenced by everything Mm -hmm. everything. And so I get questions a lot, um, especially from those in their twenties and thirties of how do I, how do I make more progesterone? How do I decrease my estrogen? How do I increase my testosterone and improve my libido? Right. But these hormones are actually a bigger, um, they're part of a bigger plan. So it, they're affected by things like lack of sleep. So one of the first and foremost that I tell all women of all ages is get your sleep dialed in, like really truthfully look in the mirror about your sleep because your waking and sleeping is what's known as a circadian rhythm. As humans, we should get up with the sun and we should go to bed when it's dark. And that's our circadian rhythm. And as females, we work on a menstrual rhythm. We generally get a period every 28 days. And that circadian rhythm influences heavily our menstrual rhythm. So if you're listening to this and you are going to bed at erotic hours, you're out late, you get to bed at 3 a.m., you know, you don't sleep that great because you've had a few cocktails, your eating is kind of erratic, uh, you get up, you subside on a lot of caffeine, a couple cups of coffee, maybe an energy drink, and you repeat, 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 it's only going to affect your other hormones, including those around your menstrual cycle. So you may find that you do have bad PMS, that you do have mood changes, that your breasts do hurt, that your cycles are heavy and crampy. And and you don't often put the two and two together. You don't think my lack of sleep, my disruption in my circadian rhythm is affecting my menstrual rhythm. Mm -hmm. And so I constantly educate and, and really try to hone in on that. If you can get your circadian rhythm dialed in, get up with the light, go to bed with the dark, be mindful of how you eat, what you put in your body, it's going to affect positively your menstrual rhythm. So that's like the first, and it's, it's free, cheap, and easy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sleep doesn't cost anything. And working with the rhythm doesn't cost anything people really like. Now, the second thing that's really important uh, is blood sugar. Um, Your blood sugar management, that's your glucose. Is your glucose too high? Is your glucose too low? Are you pre-diabetic or are you hangry all the time, right? Uh, You know, hungry and angry. That means that you're affecting your blood sugar. Now, cortisol, which is one of your, your big stress hormones, cortisol's main job in your body is to handle your glucose. That's, we think stress, like, oh, cortisol handles my stress. It actually, its first job, if it had a resume or a CV, it would be, I handle glucose. So you're never going to get your stress response dialed in and healthy if you don't get your glucose and your insulin dialed in and healthy as well. So the second thing that I always teach to women, and the younger you start, the better, is be very mindful of your blood sugar. Do you get hangry a lot? Are you skipping meals? Are you subsiding on, you know, food with not a lot of nutrients to it? Um, are you just trying to get by on um, a liquid diet? Even people who were like, well, I do a shake in the morning. I do a shake at lunch. It's like, there's no 
consistency with it. It's like all of those things add up. Do you, do you drink alcohol regularly? Um, affects the liver, affects your blood sugar. So really evaluate it again, looking in the mirror. If you can get your blood sugar and insulin dialed in, then it's going to help your stress response and your cortisol that much better, which is only going to affect your hormones. And then the third thing is to really address your stress response. And when I say address your stress response, I'm obviously saying this in the middle of a crazy pandemic. So it's controlling the things you can control and, and trying really hard to let go of the things that you can't. Um, your body reacts to stress, whether it's actual stress in front of you, whether it's anticipated stress, like you know it's coming or whether you imagine the stress. And what that means is if you're a type of person, what we say here in the United States is if you make mountains out of molehills, right? If you, if you are the person who worries and stews and thinks of worst case scenario all the time, your body doesn't know the difference and it's going to freak out and it's going to release hormone inappropriately because it thinks it needs to protect you. So when we have to be protected all the time, we're constantly in a state of stress, then the brain says, now is not the right time to have a healthy, balanced, normal menstrual cycle. We're going to change things. We're going to shift things. We're going to affect her female hormones because it's more important that I protect her right now. And so women will say, man, I'm really stressed out. And as a result, I skipped a period, man, I'm really stressed out. And as a result, my cramps were really bad. My PMS was really bad. I was noticing my skin was really breaking out. I'm like, I know because protection is priority. Security is priority over some of these other hormones. So get your sleep dialed in, address the fact if you're hangry all the time, get your blood sugar and your insulin dialed in, and then really evaluate the way that you handle stress. Do you over imagine scenarios that aren't going to, don't really aren't going to happen. They don't exist because mm -hmm. that's just more stress added to the body and it will affect your hormones. That's really great advice. And I would love to know, is hormonal imbalance quite common? And why as women do we tend to get hormonal imbalance? Is it purely down to lifestyle or could it possibly be genetic as well? Both. Absolutely. Yes, it's very common. Uh, and two, definitely lifestyle and even lifestyle that we can't necessarily control. Um, think about all of the chemicals that are known as endocrine disruptors. So when we talk about hormones in our body, that's known as the endocrine system. So we have like immune system, we have a cardiovascular system, and we have an endocrine system. So endocrine disruptors are doing exactly what you think. They're little chemicals that disrupt your endocrine system, your hormones. And so it's it's things you can control, such as ingredients in your lotion, right? Ingredients in your shampoo and conditioner, ingredients in the candle that you have burning, or even just the candle you have sitting out because it's pretty and, you know, it matches the season, but really it's off-gassing chemicals. Um, it's, it's the stuff that you use in your garden. It's the, it's the things that you use to maybe clean your car or clean your house. And these chemicals we can control, but a lot of chemicals we can't. What's sprayed on our food, what's sprayed around your neighborhood or your village, what's, you know, what's in the air. Um, and so these chemicals can, can affect, because they're endocrine disrupting, they can affect the way that we as females have hormonal symptoms. The problem with these chemicals is they can act like hormones. So they can act like estrogen. So I have, I absolutely have patients who say, I got tested. I got tested and my estrogen was normal, but I'm, I feel so estrogen. I feel, 
like my periods are heavy and my, my PMS is bad. And I am getting, you know, getting weight in my booty and I don't want it like where it is. And I'm, my skin is changing. And I'm like, oh, you know, what can happen is these chemicals don't show up on testing, but they bind to the receptor. So they are like a key that fits into the estrogen lock and can turn it on. And so, yes, hormone imbalance is super common. Um, but I think a lot of our lifestyle things, a lot of it we can control, but some of it, we just, we just can't. So we have to do the best that we can with what we know. So when it comes to things such as hair products, beauty products, even candles, should we be choosing the most natural products? Non-toxic is what we're going for. Yeah, I think so. I think Mm so. Um, And I think so because it's, think of a bucket and it's the drops in the bucket. So some women have very empty buckets. So if they use a lotion that, you know, if they burn a candle here and there, that's not great for them. Like, it's no big deal. They don't have any symptoms. It's like, whatever. But other women, even at a young age, even in their twenties, um, their buckets are very full for whatever reason. And they walk through the perfume aisle at a, at a department store and they get a headache and they feel itchy and they, they react and they start sneezing or they, they go somewhere and they, can tell that there's a, like a plugin that's releasing scent into the air. And they're like, oh my gosh, I cannot handle this. Or they thought they bought what was their normal hair product. And they accidentally bought a different one or a wrong one, or somebody bought it for them. And they're like, oh man, my scalp is itchy and my scalp feels really tight and my skin is starting to break out. And so you may not notice it right away. Or a a lot of women now are so in tune with themselves and they're, they're getting self-educated that they do notice it. They do notice when they're um, using products that maybe aren't the best for them. And I get the feedback all the time. You probably get this too. Women start to make switches. They're like, you know, I ran out of deodorant. I'm going to buy a more natural deodorant. I ran out of shampoo and conditioner. I'm going to buy a more natural one. I ran out of my lipstick. I'm going to switch brands and try to buy one that's you know, much more cleaner, mm-hmm. You know, clean beauty. And over time, the amount of patients and women who reported back to me like, wow, that made a big difference. And I didn't realize it using glass instead of plastic, you know, using stainless steel instead of plastic, um, just little, these little things taking off your coffee lid or your, when you get, um, takeaway, um, that hot liquid and you're drinking it through a plastic lid. And so now you're pulling the, the phthalates, which are, you know, the, the little plastic micro chemicals mm-hmm. right into your mouth as you swallow through that plastic lid. So just take the lid off as you, as you sip, <laughs> yeah. use the lid sparingly. And so these little things, and I just, it's, it's, it can really add up very quickly, which is what I love. And it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. If you're already going to buy deodorant, just buy a clean version. If you're already going to buy hair serum, just buy a cleaner version. No, completely. I'm totally on board and I'm a huge fan of clean beauty. It's been years now that I've only been clean if you like when it comes to my hair and beauty products and overall I live a very sustainable life Mm -hmm. for anyone who may think oh no I don't have hormonal imbalance yet they may be feeling (laughs) overtired and their PMS is all over the place what would you say Dr. Kerry are the most common symptoms of hormonal imbalance? So when it comes to cycle related, I would say the biggest ones are something PMS. So the days leading up to your period, they will say, I feel moody. My breasts are tender. I feel bloated. I'm very tired. Um, I'm having some GI changes um, that are happening, but maybe that when they get their period, they get headaches or migraines. Um, They have heavy periods, clots, cramps, 
they're still, again, they're tired. Um, so that's sort of the sort of um, like estrogen, progesterone related, but even things, you know, I like low libido. Like I used to have a good libido and all of a sudden, or late, you know, over the last five years, I've noticed that my libido is really gone down. Skin changes. It, skin can be very hormonally related. I used to have good skin or I've never had good skin. I break out along my jawline. I grow hair on places I don't want to grow hair. Speaking of hair, people, hair loss, female pattern baldness can be very related to hormones. They're losing it sort of in the middle on the back at the temples. So there can be a lot of these symptoms that maybe you've blown off. Maybe you've just come to accept as like, well, that's my normal. Like it's normal to have 10 out of 10 bad cramps for me. No, common, common does not mean normal. There's something going on. I completely agree with that. And I wish that more incredible doctors such as yourself, Dr. Carrie would open up and share a lot more of this kind of information because I hear all of the time, even going to the GP myself, Mm -hmm. oh, bad cramps, that's normal, heavy periods. They're normal to feel tired and to be so pale around that time. It's just Mm -hmm. so normal when actually you're completely right. It may be common, but that doesn't make it normal. Mm -hmm. Why is taking a hormone test then so important? And I would love to know, how can you take one? Is it just something (laughs) that you Google? Um, Well, in this day and age, yes, you can. (laughs) I think everything's at our fingertips, it seems like. I am a huge fan of testing. Um, in full disclosure, I'm the medical director for a hormone lab here in the United States known as Dutch Test. So I believe in hormone testing because let's use fatigue, very general. I have, I have patients and clients who say, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I'm sure I have low cortisol. I know I have low cortisol. I've read the blog. I did the online checkoff sheet. I saw it on Instagram. I'm sure I have low cortisol. And sure enough, their cortisol is normal. But so many things cause fatigue. I mean, even like low B12, iron deficient anemia, those with low iron, Um, hypothyroidism, having low thyroid, just some of these other things. It's important to realize that if you're just constantly trying to treat what you think is right, you could be completely off base. And that's just going to prolong the fact that you feel tired. And so this is where I really like to have somebody hormone test. Now you can go to your GP. You can get a screening test in the blood. The problem with that is that I notice a lot of GPs um, are serve as more of an acute care, you know, a, a quick eight to 10 minute visit. And so it's hard for them to focus on hormones. Um, they are just running a couple of tests. Sometimes they're not even necessarily related to hormones. They're running red blood cells. They're running white blood cells. They're running liver enzymes, you know, they'll run a calcium, they'll run, they'll run your glucose, you know, they'll run some of these quickies and go, yeah, yeah, you're fine. I'm like, well, that's, you know, I'm really glad my white blood cells are normal, but I'd really like to know about my estrogen. Thank you very much. And so sometimes you do have to take it into your own hands and either show with a list or you can order some of these tests online. Um, like, like the test I work for the Dutch test, which actually happens to not be a blood test. It's actually a urine test that you collect at home. And so that's what I love nowadays is that you can be so proactive um, in saying, well, I tried, you know, with my GP and I got some answers or half the answers, but I'm going to come with a list. So, and I want, these are the hormones I run, run, or I'm just going to order it online, pay out of pocket and um, get the rest of the answers. So when it comes to them balancing out our hormones is taking the test. The very first thing that we should do, is there anything else that we should 
be considering or addressing I know for example yes we can find out so much information when we look at our guts and things mm-hmm. like this is there anything else that you would say no that's what you absolutely need to address first if you want to start balancing out your hormones so the first thing I would actually recommend even before testing is to find a healthcare provider who really understands hormones and who's going to take the time to sit down with you. Because if you, you absolutely said it, let's, let's pretend you do have bad hormonal symptoms, but you also have bad gut symptoms. So your healthcare provider might say to you, let's save your money on the hormone test. We'll wait, we'll do that in, in, you know, next, but first things first, let's see what's going on with your gut. Let's have you do a test to evaluate what's going on with your gut. Or maybe first things first is you live on fast food and caffeine and coffee, and you don't get a lot of sleep. Um, and your stress is a 10 out of 10. Like maybe you don't need any testing. Maybe what we need to do are the basics right off the bat. Like let's introduce you to the concept of water. Like let's hydrate you and and get you to bed a little bit earlier and have you eating nutrient dense food, however that looks like for you. um, And then see what your hormones do. Because as I said, in the beginning, your hormones are very responsive and reactive. And if you find like, okay, fine, I'm going to bed and getting eight hours of sleep and okay, fine. I'm hydrating with water, not, you know, coffee all day long. And okay, fine. I cut back on my wine intake. I only save it for Friday or Friday and Saturday. And, um, you know, and then you may notice like that girl was right. And I am starting to notice over the course of a couple months that my energy is better. My skin is better. My mood is better. My hormones are better. And then evaluate what tests do you need from there? So, um, meeting with the practitioner though, who can sort of dial that in for you, um, and, and help educate you is probably the first and and foremost. Um, and especially because some, some labs, um, you know, we're specialty labs, so they may not be covered. You know, you may have to pay out of pocket and evaluating if that works for you. Um, some, some labs, maybe your GP won't run unless you ask or push. And so it's, sometimes it's nice to like come up with a game plan, have a list, see what you can get covered um, or that is covered, you know, through your, uh, the NHS. And so that's why uh, I think meeting with somebody probably is your first goal. Mm-hmm. And as women, as we have touched on, we are so used to hearing that irregular periods are normal, heavy periods are normal. What is the relationship between our hormones and our periods? Is our menstrual cycle the primary way to understand if our hormones are imbalanced? Yes. In fact, a lot of people call it the fifth vital sign. So after things like your blood pressure and your, you know, your heart rate and things like that, that your, your um, menstrual cycle, the health of your menstrual cycle, the symptoms around your menstrual cycle, do you even get a menstrual cycle? Um, do you get a period is a vital sign because whether a woman wants to become pregnant or not, that's what her body focuses on every single month. I surely am not looking to become pregnant, but I know that when my cycle is normal, I know that when my, my symptoms are minimum, um, I am prone to menstrual migraines. When I don't have a menstrual migraine in a particular month, I am on the right track uh, as a female um, because of my hormones. Obviously, other women are looking to reproduce, right? They're looking to get pregnant and fertility. And so it's, it's a key for females either way. And in fact, there is, and I think I have it on my bookshelf, um, there is a book called The Fifth, um, the Fifth Vital Sign. And it's all about this is why, whether or not you want to get pregnant, why your cycle is a vital sign to your health and vitality. 
Hi Tribers, having met you at the Smart Girl Tribe Summit, I know how much you love stationery and I have searched high and low for a stationery brand that is empowering, inclusive and thoughtfully designed, which is why I am so excited to share Seth Crafts. Not only will Seth Crafts handmade journals and planners help you become intentional about planning your day, but you'll be able to seamlessly track your goals, accomplishments, and even your monthly budget. I opened up in the Smart Girls Handbook about my burnout and the importance of developing a bulletproof self-care routine, and Seth Crafts has been lovingly created to achieve exactly that with zero guilt. Head to the show notes after the episode to see for yourself and as a bonus with the code SGT10, you will get a 10% discount off any product. So being the hormone expert then and only taking into consideration our hormones, what would you say Dr. Carrie is the perfect period if you like? What would that <laughs> look like? Yes, the perfect period honestly is your period starts and you don't, you didn't even realize it. Like you, like you just went, go to, to the toilet and you see that you are bleeding and you're like, Oh, there's my period. Or you're, if you have an app, maybe your app pops up and says, Hey, today your period's probably going to start. So, you know, be prepared, have something with you. Mm-hmm. That's sort of ideal. Um, and, or even mild, a mild version of that. So for example, when I, I this may be TMI, but when my period's about to start, I get these twingy cramps. That's like, Hey, like, you know, like, Hey, I'm, mm. like, I'm kind of like, I'll be here in a couple hours be prepared. And it's not something that I, I don't want to get rid of those twingy cramps because they're actually really quite helpful. Um, and the reason I get the twingy cramps is there's a, you have something called prostaglandins and what they do is they call spasms and my uterus is starting to spasm because I'm about to get my period. So I want that. And, but what I don't want is a migraine. And what I don't want is to be so bloated that I'm a two sizes bigger in my pants. And I don't want very sore, tender breast tissue. You know, I want to be able to have my bras fit and be able to wear, you know, go up and down the stairs and not be like, Mm -hmm. oh gosh, that hurts so much. That's what I don't want. And that's what I don't want for women. I don't want women to have periods that are so heavy that they have to stay home or they feel like they're having to change their pad or their tampon or their menstrual cup every 30 minutes. That's, that's, that's too much. So I'm Mm -hmm. looking for the other spectrum. Mm -hmm. One thing that I would love to ask about is it was reported today by the BBC that there's going to be a call for investigation. This is in the UK of menstrual changes after COVID jabs Mm -hmm. cause changes to periods and unexpected bleeding after having a COVID vaccine now needs to be investigated because so many women have reported over 30,000 that they are experiencing changes. This Mm -hmm. is something I'm now incredibly passionate about because I am one of those women Mm -hmm. and it has raised alarm bells. So I would love to know from your perspective, when it comes to vaccines and injections on the whole, are they affecting, considering you're the expert, do you think they could be affecting our menstrual cycles and or our hormones? Yes. So on the whole, not just the current one Mm -hmm. we have right now, but any vaccine at the tetanus, right? And like all of them, because they induce an immune reaction. So if we just look at that aspect of the vaccine, not what's in it, not the adjuvants, you know, like just the immune reaction that it induces because it's inducing an immune reaction. And remember I said, the the big part of being female is that your brain is constantly scanning 
Am I safe enough and healthy enough to have a menstrual cycle? When you get a big immune reaction because of the, the vaccine, any vaccine, um, it's entirely possible the brain goes, oop, whew, not this month. Like there's immune, so there's something immune going on. I'm not going to give you a normal cycle this month or maybe for the next couple of months until this gets figured out to the immune system gets figured out of what's happening in the body. So there is an immunologist here in the United States. Her name is Dr. Heather Zwicky. And she is even said, she said it's really common after any vaccine, no matter what you got, chickenpox, tetanus, COVID, um, that you may experience menstrual changes. What I don't know, what I don't know is, um, and what I think is they're trying to do more research on is if we look at just, just, just the COVID jab, if we're just looking at that one, mm-hmm. what that's going to, um, ha- what, what like long-term. And I think that's what they're investigating. Having one or two or three months of some irregularness and then going back to your normal is expected. But if you are somebody who is henceforth forever seeming to have irregular cycles, let's pretend you got the jab in December and it's now September and you're like, I like ever since then, it's been a hot mess. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. And that's what they're uh, really trying to investigate. The very short-term acute, which is kind of expected given the immune reaction, that they cause, the vaccines cause, um, but it's the long-term, like what is it really doing uh, in the, with the ovaries, the ovarian tissue, the brain communication, and mm-hmm. that's what they're also investigating, which I'm very glad about because I have a lot of women in both camps. I don't know which camp you're in, but I have women that are like, oh my gosh, I got, I got jabbed in June. Mm. My July period was a hot mess, but by September, I'm back to normal again. I'm like, all right, all right, that's to be expected given the immune response. But I have other people, like I said earlier, they got jabbed in November, December, and they're still like, I carry, I've never been well since. My periods are all over the place. It's, it's awful. I don't know what to do. For anyone listening who would like to investigate this further, what trustworthy resources or sources would you turn to to look into this more? Who do you tend to listen to? That <laughs> I listen to a lot of people on both sides because mm-hmm. I want to understand um, like, for example, in the U S I want to see like, what is the CDC putting out? I'm reading the research that's coming out as it relates to women's health. I'm following like what the BBC talked about. I've been following some of the, um, the schools here in the U S that are also evaluating the data around, you know, the jab and hormones. And then the flip side, I'm also looking to, um, the people who are completely anti anti-vax and what they believe or what they mm-hmm. see or what they're talking about, because I want to know both sides. So I don't, I'll be honest, I don't have a single source that I look to Mm. as a, as a trusted source. Um, I'm not a skeptic by nature, but I feel like I've become more skeptic or critical, I I would say in this last year. Um, And so because, and I'm looking a lot of in the U S we have a very U S focused news presentation. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm doing instead is looking at other countries, which is not often talked about in our U.S. news. Mm-hmm. So Israel, for example, um, obviously uh, in the U.K., Iceland. Um, so what are other countries doing that aren't really getting reported here and trying to look at that data? And so I don't, unfortunately, I don't have a very concise, oh, look here, it's, mm-hmm. it seems to be always accurate. It is me having to dig through a lot um, and trying to be critical about it. And I'm not an immunologist. I'm not a virologist mm-hmm. it, by any stretch. I'm just trying to learn and read and go, 
what does that mean for either the greater public or because of my role, my job with hormones? What do I tell somebody when they do a test, a hormone test and go, Mm -hmm. I've never been well since. What do I do? I'm like, "Ah, we don't know. I don't know. We're doing the best we can. The, The studies just aren't there yet. No, I understand. What can we do then if we do suffer from heavy periods or bad cramps? If someone is listening to this and thinking, this is me, (laughs) Dr. Carrie, you are speaking personally to me. This is what I'm suffering from. What should they be doing next? Because obviously I can imagine balancing out their hormones is going to have a huge effect on their menstrual cycle. So what are the first things that they should be doing? First thing is what I said earlier is if you can try to have an appointment with somebody who specializes in hormones, who maybe is more along the natural integrative functional route as it relates to hormones. And there are a number of practitioners in the UK. I work with a number of them who are amazing to get you on the right track because what you may need and what I may need, despite having the same symptoms could be completely different, right? Mine could be thyroid driven. Maybe my thyroid is completely off and I, um, have been, I'm eating a food that I'm reacting to and don't realize it. And Oh, by the way, I am obsessed with candles. They're all over my house. And I like plugins that smell good. And I have the tree hanging in my car, right? Like all of these things, which don't sound like they don't think you wouldn't think they'd add up to heavy periods and, and cramps. Absolutely can. I hear it. I've been in, I've been in this field 22 years. I've heard it all. I've had the feedback from women. I've even had the feedback from women who said, I switched to hundred percent cotton organic tampons and my cramps went away. Yep. Fantastic. I've had women say, I just gave up tampons completely. And I either use a pad or a menstrual cup and my cramps went away. Even just these little things. And uh, like the other women may say, find out they don't ovulate. Therefore they don't make the hormone what's known as progesterone. And mm-hmm. if progesterone is our calming our soothing our relaxing hormone, So you get heavy periods and you get cramps and you feel like crap and you're more anxious and you can't sleep. And so this is why I love um, trying to be a little more individualized because I'd hate for somebody to spend money or go down a rabbit hole or take something that just doesn't even apply to them. And then after a couple of months, they're like, this doesn't work. This is crap. You know, I'm, I'm just going to keep living my life when Mm -hmm. they could feel so much better. No, completely. And every woman, I think, deserves to know what's going on with her body. And I don't know why. I'm sure it goes back way back in history. We're just not provided the information that we should be. Mm -hmm. And women's health on the whole still seems a little taboo. I remember in our household, even talking about periods, having two brothers, it was all very Mm -hmm. hush hush. Mm -hmm. And I've now rebelled and gone the opposite (laughs) way. And I'm recording international podcasts on this. I love it. Well, hopefully your brothers are much more educated. (laughs) (laughs) They don't have a choice. One of my questions is, Dr. Carrie, why is it during our periods, we tend to weep more, we eat Mm -hmm. more chocolates because we do say, oh, we're so hormonal. Oh, I'm Mm -hmm. feeling so hormonal. Why is that? Because it seems to be a universal thing that happens. We're all suddenly craving more Mm -hmm. chocolate and we're all crying so much more. (laughs) Or we're angry. (laughs) We're reactive. Yes. And so what happens is um, when in the roughly in the middle of your cycle, you release the egg that's known as ovulation. And after you release the egg, that's when you start making that lovely hormone known as progesterone. It's our, um, it's, 
short for progestation. So it's to help prep us to be pregnant if we wanted to be, but it's calming, it's relaxing, it's soothing, it's really nice. And so progesterone goes up and then progest or excuse me, estrogen, which is our like our builder and our grower, and it makes our skin all nice and lush and it makes our hair nice and lush and it makes our bones super healthy and it protects our heart and our brain. It goes up, but not, not nearly as much as progesterone goes up. If that's reversed, if estrogen happens to be higher than progesterone, let's say if you were looking at a graph, um, or if your progesterone starts to go up, but then it kind of gives out and, and crashes down, what happens is that, that we get that decline or that withdrawal, and as a result, we feel more anxious. We feel more cravings. We feel more bloated. We feel more moody. We feel more, you know, just all the things because our hormones are, are, are going down um, to a level that then we'll soon start our period, assuming that we're not pregnant. And so if you have that kind of disjointed imbalance between estrogen and progesterone as they're going up, how long they stay up. And then as they come back down again, then we, a couple of days to a week before our cycle, we tend to feel that way. And it's not uncommon. It's, you're right. It's very common. It's, it's pretty universal that if you just throw chocolate at somebody right before their <laughs> cycle, they'll feel better. <laughs> but it's also what makes us crave nurture. You know, we're, we, we are feeling vulnerable. Our hormones are coming down. And so we tend to be more tired we tend to crave more carbohydrates that, that um, you know, like nurturing type food, foods that we just feel good, the food that releases serotonin when we eat it because we're, we're happy about eating ice cream or, you know, whatever it is, chocolate or that kind of French fries. Um, and, and then usually women's periods start and because hormones shift again, we're like, oh, over that, mm-hmm. stop crying, no longer angry, don't eat ice cream and you move on. If we started balancing out our hormones, would all of that go away or would it still remain the crying the being angry the wanting certain foods if we did visit a hormone expert and we understood and we took on all the information we did everything that we could would that still occur each month or would that typically go away it often at least minimizes. Remember, there's a lot we can control um, and there's a lot in our environment that we can't control. So at the very least, what I see over years of practice is it minimizes. Some women, absolutely, it all goes away. They feel amazing. They slide into their periods. It's great. And other women are like, wow, I used to be at like a nine or a 10 for my emotions and my cravings and my bloated, what have you. And now I'm at like a two. Like I have a little chocolate and I'm fine, or I might cry at a commercial, but it's like not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's great. Like if that's what we can get to just because we can't control a lot in our environment and and what's happening, then that's what I strive for. Let's get you down to a really manageable point where you're like, eh, not a big deal. How does our diet impact our hormones? What effect (laughs) do you think, Dr. Carrie, would a vegan or plant-based diet in particular have on our hormones? So remember to, to make a hormone and to have all the cofactors and all the nutrients, it has to come from somewhere. Therefore it comes from our diet. So if you're not eating a, a fairly nutrient dense diet, then you're going to struggle. Um, you're going to either send signals to your brain that you're not eating maybe the way you should to maintain proper health. Notice I didn't say weight necessarily, but proper health 
then the brain is going to say to the ovaries, not this month, or we're going to screw it up this month because the nutrients just aren't there. Um, and so, yes, diet is everything. And I think your listeners will agree, like we've all done it where we've eaten really bad food mm-hmm. and we may, it may have been worth it, but we f- usually feel pretty crummy afterwards. We're tired, we're bloated. We're like, well, you know, our skin yeah. doesn't look that great, even if it was totally worth it. Um, and if you do that day after day, after day, after day, it's going to affect all of your hormones, not just your female hormones, but all of them, thyroid, cortisol, mm-hmm. glucose, insulin. So it's really important. I now, when it comes to like vegan or vegetarian, um, this is, it definitely depends on the person. This is, a, as you know, a very hot controversial topic because generally those who are vegan or vegetarian are very, um, um, just, just like somebody who's maybe keto or paleo, they're very staunch in their opinion as to why they're on that diet. And the only thing I care about is what are your cycles like is a vital sign. Like how is it going and, and how healthy are you? Because if you happen to be uh, a vegan who has skipped her cycle the last six months and super tired and hair is falling out, um, and really pale, then I'm going to say, probably not working for you. Let's, let's re let's, let's reevaluate this or let's evaluate how you think you're doing veganism and let's get you on the right track. But the same would go to somebody who's on the complete opposite. Somebody who's carnivore doesn't do plants. They just, they're just carnivore. Same questions. How is your cycle? What are your mm-hmm. symptoms? What are, what else is going on? And if they're also like, well, I don't, you know, my period's like, I skip it a lot and I'm really tired and my hair's falling out. I'm like, eh, not working for you. <laughs> Bloated all the time. Like, like we have to evaluate this. And so um, that's what I usually say when somebody comes to me, when they're really strict in their, their title of how they're eating or what they're eating. Speaking purely hormonally, or about hormones, when it comes to those who do eat meat, are they taking on the hormones of that animal that they're eating? I would much prefer that somebody do as clean as possible. And that includes in their meat or dairy products, if they eat Mm. dairy products. So if they can get free range, you know, grass fed, grass finished, that's the top for me. That's, that's ideal. I fully realize that's not possible all the time. I fully realize that doesn't fit into a lot of people's budgets, but it can be a big issue. I was just talking to a friend of mine who said, I'm, I struggle with sometimes with like steak, for an example, grain fed steak. Mm-hmm. The person was allergic to corn, a full on allergy to corn. And said, I can tell if I eat a steak that that the animal has been fed corn is the mainstay of their diet. I react as if I had had corn. But if I have steak that I know where they tell me is free range, you know, all the things, grass fed, grass finished, Mm -hmm. you know, slept on a feather bed, you know, sleep, you know, Mm -hmm. all the, you know, went to a spa, all that kind of animal that they don't react at all. And, um, I, it's not always the case for everybody, but when she told me that, I said, that's so interesting. You get your corn reaction, which is very distinct for you with this food. And so it can have an impact on people and the same for dairy, the same for dairy. If you're having, you know, low quality dairy Mm -hmm. products, as opposed to, um, a higher quality, a good quality, a cleaner, you know, dairy product. I have friends who say the same thing. I, they'll say I eat. I'll have something dairy, milk, or 
yogurt or ice cream mm-hmm. or something and my skin will break out. But if I have organic and I know where it comes from, or I know that it's a, a cleaner dairy, my skin doesn't break out and they, they can tell the difference based on symptoms. And I think that's amazing. And I don't like, keep doing that. Keep paying attention to your body. But I think ultimately what happens is so many people are disconnected from their body. They're waiting to get told information on the outside. I'm like, ah, if you just check in, tap in and take the time to listen, your body tells you a lot. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I would love to know how do our hormones affect our mental health? (laughs) So much, so much. Oh my gosh. They are so tied together. Um, I'll give you one example because I think it's a great one. In our brain, we have the hormone, the neurotransmitter serotonin. We talk about serotonin as it relates to depression. To make serotonin, you have to have the right amount of estrogen, but not too much and not too little because like Goldilocks, it can screw it up. So estrogen helps you make the enzyme that converts what's called um, uh, tryptophan into 5-HTP. That's the first step to making serotonin, tryptophan into 5-HTP. Once you have 5-HTP, you go on to make serotonin and then you go on to make melatonin. It's the whole cascade. So you need estrogen to get from the first step, tryptophan to 5-HTP. So let's pretend you have low estrogen. Let's pretend you are amenorrhea. You haven't had a cycle in a long time. Let's pretend you have very irregular cycles. You go 60 days or 90 days, 45 days, and it sort of varies you're going to have low estrogen more often than you're not. So that person may struggle to make serotonin and then they may struggle to make melatonin. Now on the flip side, too much estrogen. So for those who are estrogen excess, maybe their estrogen is higher than it should be. They have a lot of that estrogen endocrine disrupting chemicals in their body that will shift. It will decrease your production of serotonin completely. And your tryptophan will instead turn around and go down a different pathway. So it won't make serotonin, It'll go make a different pathway the other way, which goes to show that as you're getting close to your period, if your estrogen was high, estrogen excess, and now it's dropped down, estrogen deficient, you can be weepy, depressed, anxious, what have you, because of its big role on serotonin. And that's just a serotonin example. Mm -hmm. So yes, absolutely. Our hormones play a big role in our brain, our mental health. I have read extensively that television can also have an impact on or on our hormones. Is this true? So not so not even just what you watch on television, but the bright white light and the blue light of television does as well. So you can be watching the most wonderful, relaxing, you know, spa documentary, but it's 10 o'clock at night and it's white and blue light coming at you. And that white and blue light signals to your brain to stay more awake. Mm -hmm. Don't make melatonin. It's not ready for bed. It seems like you want to be awake. So then you shut off the documentary and you try to go to bed and you may struggle to fall asleep or stay asleep because you're not, you didn't get as much melatonin as somebody else. And so even just being on phones, screens, TVs late at night, you have to be very mindful. Either don't do it, which is the first recommendation or blue light blocking glasses, um, dimming light, right? Dimming lights would be very helpful just in that. Now, the second thing is what you watch. So in the start of the pandemic in 2020, I had so many people that jumped on board of all of the Netflix releases, right? All the, all the Amazon releases. And 
every single one of them was were serial killer right? mm. <laughs> it was who's who done it mysteries you know it was all these like <gasps> it was mm-hmm. like very intense stuff and it was all everyone talked about in in social media and on the news and whatnot because everyone was home they couldn't go outside and they were watching all these series and then they couldn't figure out why they couldn't sleep <laughs> And why, you know, why they had more anxiety and they were more, like things were more fear-based one because of the pandemic, but two, because they were also watching fear-based things and it was just building upon each other. So what you watch absolutely can have an impact um, on your reaction, on your hormones. The main hormone we're taught about as women is estrogen. Mm -hmm. Is this one we should be focusing on the most? So as a woman, yes, but we can't forget about its counterpart, progesterone. But yes, um, estrogen, estrogen, as you guys say, which I love, um, estrogen (laughs) does do all the things. Um, We talk about it as relates to our periods. We talk about it as relates to PMS. We talk about it as relates to breast cancer. But we also talk about it as it relates to our heart health and our brain health, our bone health, our skin health. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad hormone. It gets a bad rap. It gets a bad reputation because of breast cancer. When in fact, it is the hormone that really, you know, it's what makes a a female a female, right? A, A woman, a woman. But its counterpart, progesterone, is its balancer. It, it, tries to keep it from getting out of control. It's the one that helps us be more calm and relaxed. It's pro-gestation, easier periods. So it's not, and it's not often implicated as implicated in breast cancer. So it doesn't get as much press, Mm -hmm. but for just the balancing act, our hormonal orchestra, it is definitely very important. So those are our top two um, when it comes to, to females. Although testosterone is important too. It just doesn't get a lot of not a lot of love. <laughs> and can you explain why we should all consider an estrogen detox, detoxification? When the body um, is done with a hormone, in particular estrogen, it runs it through three phases of detoxification. Now, estrogen de- detoxification happens every single day, 24, seven, 365. Uh, it doesn't take off Sunday. It doesn't take off Christmas. It doesn't take off Hanukkah. It doesn't take off any vacations. It's every single day, all the time. So what we need to do are continuous things to help like improve our liver health and improve our intestinal health and even our kidneys. So hydration, because once you make an estrogen and use an estrogen and you're done with the estrogen, your body needs to neutralize it and get it out of, out of you. And so you either urinate it out or you excrete it out, you poop it out. And it does primarily so with the liver's involvement. And so when, when a lot of people say, what's your favorite three-day estrogen detox? What's your favorite seven-day estrogen detox? I'm like, Ooh, it's not, it doesn't, that's not how it works. It's literally every single day Mm. that you need to focus on this somewhat. And so when you don't have a very healthy estrogen detox, estrogen backs up in a sense, and then it contributes to your estrogen related symptoms, your PMS, your heavy periods, your bloated, your tender breasts, what have you. So we want to keep that liver, kidney, liver, intestinal health working really well so that that estrogen just slides right out of the body, doesn't get backed up, doesn't get caught up on anything. It just keeps going so that we stay, um, I guess, just sort of more, um, 
our estrogen is not as excessive because that mm-hmm. it can, when, when it, again, when it gets backed up and we have this estrogen excess symptom. Outside of diet, is there anything that we can do in particular to help our estrogen, for example, yes. take supplements or anything else that yeah. you would recommend? Um, a big thing, believe it or not, is to have daily bowel movements, which not a lot of people like to talk about, but I think constipation is, is huge. And women don't realize how big of an issue that can be when you're not eliminating every day, then what can happen is some of those toxins or even hormones get reabsorbed back into the body. So making sure you're having daily bowel movements at a minimum is ideal. Um, another thing that really affects a, a detoxification across the board are medications you take and the alcohol that you drink um, and that all alcohol, because medications can be really, uh, and, and, and alcohol really tough on the liver and they become the priority of the liver. So if you are a glass of wine and an estrogen and you're headed to the liver at the same time, the glass of wine will win in, in, in my analogy, in my head. Um, and then liver and the estrogen will get pushed back and will go out into circulation again. And so what I tell women is if you feel very estrogenic in your symptoms, ease up on the alcohol as you get close to your cycle, your period, or maybe eliminate it altogether, uh, depending how bad your estrogen symptoms are. And when I say medication, um, some medications can be really, you know, they have to go through the liver for processing. And so if you are somebody who needs to be on a lot of medications, which is fine, just keep in mind that is affecting your liver. And, and while we, we love our liver and our liver should be working just fine. Um, when we take into account all our hormones and all the chemicals in the environment and Mm -hmm. medications are on everything else, like it just, it can be an issue and you may, you may notice it in your symptoms. Um, and so, and then, yes, there are definitely supplements, um, that are very helpful, uh, to the liver, to liver support. There are herbs that can be very helpful. Even just our, like, like our B vitamins, people don't realize just our, even our B vitamins, uh, are very helpful for liver. They're, they're the cofactors to making sure you go from A to B to C mm-hmm. and then out. And so just knowing this and getting evaluated for this can just make the whole system run smoother. Thank you for listening to the Smart Girl Tribe podcast. I am your host, Scarlett B. Clark, award-winning founder and CEO of Smart Girl Tribe, the UK's number one female empowerment organization, host of this top-rated podcast, the Smart Girl Tribe podcast, and author. You are my community, my family, so come and follow along for more female empowerment and personal development in our private Facebook group, the Smart Girl Tribe Society, or on Twitter or Instagram at Smart Girl Tribe.